thrilled to be here with you this morning, church. Um, the last night, um, actually kind of late, the band got a text from our worship pastor, Kim, and she said, I'm headed to urgent care, my throat's closing up. And so they stepped in so gracefully, and all of them calmly said, no problem, we've got it. So will you just give our band a hand this morning? <clears throat> They come here at the crack of dawn. They wake up so early to come and serve you with their gifts. And that's actually exactly what we're going to be talking about this morning. Uh, while Pastor Larry is on sabbatical, if you have come to hear our teaching pastor, Dave, who got his wife instead. <laughs> uh, my husband, Dave, is in India right now. And I call it the country of the week because he's been traveling quite a bit lately. Um, and I'd love to give you an update on this trip, but I honestly don't know why he's there. <laughs> I, I rarely do. Um, so anyway, we are in our series on Acts. Our passage today, like Carlos said, is four, uh, chapter 4, verses 32 through 37. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles or on your devices, it'll also be up here on the screen. And while you do, we're just going to recap just a little bit. So we've studied Pentecost so far, and we have seen uh, for the first time in Scripture and the first time in history where the Holy Spirit has come, not only God um, coming down to earth and speaking to a person or a group of people and then leaving, now he has come and entered in to live with his people while here on earth. And that is a very, very exciting thing. So they are seeing all kinds of miracles take place. And the disciples are going out and preaching this, this new gospel of Jesus Christ boldly. It's never been seen in the world. It's brand new. Well, it's met with some serious opposition. And the teachers of the law arrest him, them. Um, they flog them, because why not, right? And they warn them never to speak about the name of Jesus again. So now the interesting part here is instead of going back and praying um, that the, the persecution would end and that their path would be smooth. I think, honestly, that's what I would pray. They instead pray for boldness to go and preach um, the word of God even more boldly. And so this is where verse 31 happens. It says, the place where they were praying was shaken and they were filled with the spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So now our passage today, verses 32 through 37, follows these events. And if you'll follow with me, it says, all the believers were in one one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work within them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. So what is the first thing that enters your mind when you read this? Oh no, do I need to sell everything I own and go live with a bunch of people, right? My first thought was, I just bought a couch, dang it. Granted, it was a Craigslist couch, but I like it nonetheless. So when we read this, we want to know what, why this is in scripture, what we're supposed to do with it, yes? We need to know its context before we just jump into a meaning. So um, we have to kind of take where they were in their culture and at that time as well. So Jerusalem, the disciples were staying in Jerusalem because Jesus had told them to wait for the helper that he was going to send, which was the Holy Spirit. So Jerusalem at that time was under Roman rule. It was first century Rome. And Rome was uh, very polytheistic, which means they worshipped many gods and demigods according to their you know, circumstances and their preferences. They also worshiped the emperor. Um, they thought of him as a god. 
Um, and that was called the imperial cult at the time. So Rome was known for being extremely opulent and decadent and really immoral, all the way from the brutal practices of the arena that we've seen in history books and things like that, and all the way to sexual immorality of all kinds. So the people of Rome were pretty tolerant of most religions and religious expressions as long as you included the emperor and you didn't cause problems with any of the other religious systems, right? Well, this posed a problem for Christians and Jews because they were fiercely monotheistic. They only believed in one God and they preached that. And also the Christians didn't um, consider or acknowledge the emperor of a, as a deity of any kind. So, you know, they were met with some serious, heavy, intense persecution. So let's go back to scripture. Verse 32 says, all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. So think about this. Kind of try and put yourself in their shoes for a minute. When you're under intense persecution, you're basically fleeing for your life, right? You're kind of in hiding other than the guys that are boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus everywhere. So what good are things? Yeah, you're not, you're not going out and buying decor items at this point, right? You are holding on to everything you have. So they, like I said, they were staying in Jerusalem, which was not really their home. They had no jobs. They couldn't get jobs. They weren't liked. In fact, they were hated. People were trying to kill them. So they were holding on to everything they had. And this is actually why Carlos um, brought this up in a meeting a couple weeks ago. He said, this is why... James was written one. He says, faith without works is dead because he was trying to make sure that no one was in need in their faith community because what good is your faith if your brothers and sisters in Christ in your own community are not getting their needs met, right? They were in survival mode at this point. So this isn't saying here that we need to, you know, sell everything we own and live in a commune. This was totally new. They saw the Lord. They walked with the Lord or the, they were instructed by people who lived with the Lord. So we need to remember that when we see these kind of passages, these are not ordinary people in ordinary towns, in ordinary times in history. This was strictly the work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 33 says, and God's grace was so powerfully at work within them that there were no needy persons among them. That was a spiritual gift that he was giving them as a symbol of what people can do when they come together in one body to meet the needs of others um, in their community. So this community was also a radical departure from what marked the Roman Empire at that time. They had what was called a patronage system. And this was when the rich would give gifts to the poor. And this kind of implied a... Um, a social debt that the beneficiary would now owe. So the system created a sort of pseudo-generosity. So the patrons would give out of self-interest, hoping to get some honor, you know, uh, connected to that gift. So it was all a show, basically. Um, so the Romans viewed generosity as a means to social power and status. So the Christian community here was in total opposition to what was going on in their culture at the time. They were completely different. So when people would come and convert to Christianity, their entire mindset would have to switch, right, about possessions and power and social status. So we have to look at what this means for us today, don't we? We have to look and see, okay, we have 
we have two views that we can look at it at. We can say, okay, this was for their culture at that time, and it's a history lesson, right? And we can just kind of set it aside. Or we can choose to see that that scripture or the word of God is living and active and alive for every generation who reads it. I believe that there is a deeper meaning here for us because possessions were just a small part of this community. They were so committed to this. They believed in it so powerfully, didn't they? They lived in it with everything they had. They, they lived like he was coming back next week because they thought he was. He was there with them. So our life... Here in our Western culture, what do we do with it? Well, I have lived all over California from lots of cities in the Northern California, lots of cities in Southern, and I've lived in Central. And I will say California, especially in our Western culture, it's expensive to live, right? I mean, you have to work hard. Most of the time, especially in Southern California, we have both parents working. And this isn't a bad thing. We work so hard just to make sure that our kids can go to college, they need braces, they have club sports because the junior highs here don't have sports. What is up with that? We moved here going, what? Ugh. So you have so much to work for and you're trying to build your own kind of empire so that your family is comfortable, so that you are comfortable, you need to save for retirement and it goes on and on, right? So these things aren't bad in and of themselves, but we have to remember that there is another community out there who is in need. There are so many people around here who don't know Christ, for one, so those need, the spiritual needs need to be met. They are without family who loves them, and we see that a lot in the holiday times, right? Everybody always talks about that, especially on social media. Remember the sad and lonely, and we're like, well, I'm just trying to work. So... I think there, that here is a deeper meaning for us because we need to see that the Holy Spirit has given us gifts, not just material, not just financial, but our spiritual gifts, our resources, and our time. And there's no better, um, there is no better example of this than this um, what, what you have done and what the church in Juarez has done. You have to say it like Carlos and Olivia or you're not cool. Juarez. Uh, Juarez has done. And so uh, we have this video that Carlos translated from Candy and Juarez. Amados hermanos de la Iglesia reciban un cordial saludo del Centro Educativo Amigos aquí en Ciudad Juarez. Ministerio del cual ustedes forman parte importante en la formación académica y espiritual y en la alimentación de los ahora 63 estudiantes matriculados que a diario asisten a nuestro centro educativo. Deseo testificar cómo Dios ha obrado en estos últimos meses. El año estaba por terminar, así como nuestros recursos económicos para sostener el ciclo escolar en curso. La preocupación comenzó a invadir nuestros corazones, pero decidimos confiar en Dios. En su última visita, con gran gozo y sorpresa, recibimos la noticia de que los recursos se habían multiplicado exponencialmente, de tal manera que ahora tenemos los recursos suficientes para terminar el ciclo escolar y aún más. Esto fue para nosotros un milagro, como Dios obró por medio de su iglesia y conmovió los corazones de muchos para respaldar este ministerio, no solo económicamente, sino también a través de sus oraciones, que nos hacen sentir cada vez más fortalecidos. 
Al igual que el apóstol Pablo a los filipenses, en el capítulo 4, versículos del 18 al 20, queremos expresar que por el momento tenemos todo lo que necesitamos y aún más. Estamos bien abastecidos con las ofrendas que ustedes nos enviaron por medio de sus misioneros. Son un sacrificio de olor fragante, aceptable y agradable a Dios. Sabemos que este mismo Dios que nos cuida suplirá todo lo que ustedes necesiten de las gloriosas riquezas que nos ha dado por medio de Cristo Jesús. Sin embargo, aunque al día de hoy tenemos todos los suficientes recursos para continuar adelante con la tarea que Dios nos ha encomendado, en un futuro seguiremos necesitando de su apoyo tanto económico como espiritual. Por último, quiero decir que toda la gloria sea Dios, nuestro Padre, por siempre y para siempre. Amén. Saludos, mis hermanos. Girl about to preach with a scripture in the middle of it. I love it. So did you hear what she said, though? She said she gave her gifts and her time and resources to the Lord's work and to this ministry. And because she did that, God knew exactly what she needed at exactly the right time. So when her resources began to run out for that ministry, for the furthering of the kingdom, what did God do? God brought you, her family in Christ, her brothers and sisters, to meet those needs because those were the resources that you had. Yes? So you stepped up and filled that need in the kingdom of God. Because this is what happens when we decide that we are not an ordinary people in an ordinary town in an ordinary time of history, but that God put us here at exactly the right time to, to build up the kingdom of God right where we are. Amen? When David and I were living here, we were actually living in Corona. We had just bought a house. Um, we were happy and healthy, and the kids were thriving, and everything was great. We were super content. Dave was working here at Canyon Hills. And here's the problem. When you're super content and you're not really doing anything, you need to be careful if you know the Lord, because he's probably, that's the time he's going to call you to do something. So we had no plans to leave. We were actually planning on retire, retiring here, which is also funny because when I make plans, I feel like the Lord is sitting in heaven with the angels laughing hysterically, thinking I'm hilarious because I'm making plans that are never going to happen. It's not bad to make plans. It just is if you're me. So, so um, we're living here. We're happy and healthy, right? We're staying here until uh, God put on Pastor Larry's heart to plant a church in Central Valley. Well, we had lived there, a friend's church, by the way. So we had lived there, and we thought this was a fabulous idea. In fact, David started to gather a lot of research on churches there and the unchurched and the churches and where they needed a church and who didn't know Christ. And we had lived there before, and so we started to tell everyone. We thought it was a great idea. In fact, I always joke that we tried to pawn it off on like five people <laughs> to do it. But everyone we told just kind of looked at us like, we're crazy. Like, no, I'm good. Because Fresno and Clovis, they have a lot of churches, especially, or at least it seemed like that, especially on, you know, one street. And I will also preface this, not really prefacing because it's in the middle of a story, but I will tell you that I, as a young kid, had told the Lord, I'm yours. I'll go wherever you want. I'll do whatever you want. And as I started to get older and worked in ministry, and I kind of saw 
a lot of the damage that churches were doing to people and a lot of the corruption in churches, not all of them, but we just, I just had a lot of negative experiences, although I loved the Lord and I loved what he was doing in the local church. So I started to tell him, okay, I will do anything and go everywhere, but I really don't want to plant a church. That's the one thing I don't want to do. And also I don't want to move back to Fresno and Clovis. Well, I know now, you know, because I too am in the future. So this is what we did. I told him I don't want to move to Clovis and I don't want to start a church. So naturally we moved to Clovis and we started a church. And it was not easy and it was not comfortable. And there were a lot of struggles there. Um, I knew that it wasn't going to be easy and comfortable because I struggle with asthma in the valley. I hit the grapevine and it is brutal. Um, And so I knew, but I really believed that because God was calling me somewhere so clearly, and I can tell you the story individually later if you want, but I mean, we, he, he confirmed time and again that this is what he wanted us to do with our lives and our family. So I knew because he uh, called me there that he would heal me. Well, he didn't. (laughs) Just fast forward. God doesn't always do what we think he should do, right? God doesn't always do what we think makes sense. So we went, and I can honestly say that through the health struggles for me, um, it was the best four years of my life. It was the best four years of my family's lives. We had an amazing time building this little community. I don't have time to go into details about the lifelong friendships that were forged or the marriages that were on the verge of divorce that were, you know, brought back together and now they're thriving in ministry together, all because these two people decided, okay, we'll follow what the Lord wants us to do. And all because God's spirit took that tiny little offering that we had, which seemed huge to us. A move across California is not easy, you know, with three kids and figuring out all that. Let me just try and tell you how hard it is to find a dentist. Let's just, just that in itself is terrible. But God knew that What we needed was right there. And what that community needed was just two people to go and build up this church. So uh, my brother, Ryan, was one of our teaching pastors. And that's him at the top. There he is. He looks like the Pakistani guy, but he's not Pakistani. Um, (laughs) What's he going to do? He can't fire me. Anyway. That's my brother, Ryan. That's my husband, Dave, on the left. And those two guys on the, or your left, are... um, Two pastors that were down the road from us, they had planted a church right about a mile and a half down the road and about three months before we did. And we didn't even know that until we moved there. Well, my brother Ryan was very close with them. He had gone to missions in England with them several times. And they just had formed this very close, you know, spiritual brotherly bond. Those two guys actually even came to our barbecue before we launched our church at my parents' house. So we just kind of forged this friendship with them. And those four men tried to meet maybe once a month for like the last two years we were there because they felt we're in the same community. Why don't we serve the same community? right? How do we become better together? Well, logistically, it's really hard to combine two churches, or I guess in the secular world, you'd call it two companies. How do you do that? There's a lot of leadership. And also, we have never seen this done before in our Western world, at least. We didn't know after what to pattern it because we'd had no example. Outside of maybe a financial hardship or a moral failure or 
you know, a hostile takeover. How do you merge two churches? Who has ever done that? But we just kind of put it on the back burner and they continued to pray together about it and dream about what the Lord could do together. Well, at the end of our four-year time there, I realized that our time was coming to an end. I was no longer sleeping. I had come to the end of all our treatment options. And I watched my kids also start to struggle with um, problems due to the air quality. And I just was done. So I told God, okay, God, I'm done. And with, (laughs) this is so funny, within a week of my telling God that Dave had a job down here and these guys decided, let's merge, what the heck? So they did and I started to freak out. Like, what have I done? This is not what I want. I don't want to move again. You know, we had planned (laughs) again to retire and to hang out in Fresno. We We had our family there and our close friendships and now this church community. But we began to see how God maybe wanted David and I, for lack of a better word, to step out of the way so that these three men could take this church to a new level and to maybe to new heights and form a new vision for the church. Here, uh, this video up here is my brother, Ryan. Take a look. Hey, I'm Ryan Veneer, one of the senior pastors of Valley Friends Church, and uh, Lisa wanted me to tell you a little bit about my story. So uh, for quite some time now, I have been involved in vocational ministry, starting with my senior year in high school, actually. I got my first job in ministry. Uh, Long story short, I got in and out of ministry a bunch of times, and then recently I was helping David and Elisa Hopper plant Valley Friends Church here in Clovis, California. And I wasn't being paid. I was just helping out, just volunteering. I was running my uh, business on the side, which was going well. I enjoyed it. Then I started to feel that kind of angst and that call. Like I felt like God was calling me back into the ministry. Like I've felt so many times before, but this time was different. I made a decision um, not to act on it myself. I just prayed and I said, God, if this is from you, if this is actually something you want from me, I need you to make it happen. I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm not going to ask anybody. I'm just going to wait on the Lord. Well, one day I got a call from a friend whom I hadn't seen in probably 15 years, maybe, maybe more. Uh, He wanted to go to lunch. I said, cool. We went to lunch. He was kind of asking me what I was doing, asking if there was anything going on. I said, oh, it's funny you ask. Uh, For about the last six months now, I've kind of felt like God has been calling me to get back into the ministry, but I'm not sure about it. And so I'm just kind of waiting on the Lord. Well, We got done with lunch. We walked to the car. I said goodbye in the parking lot. Very awkwardly, he continued with me to my car, even though we said goodbye. It was one of those weird things where I was like, bye. And he stayed with me. Well, (laughs) he actually got in the car with me. And it was super weird. I'm like, hey, I got to go now. You should get out of my car. And so he's sitting in the car and he said, you know, it's kind of funny that you said that during lunch. The reason I asked you out was because uh, God told me to pay your salary for the next year. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry, what? And he said, yeah, I asked you to lunch because God told me to pay your salary for the next year. And I didn't know why. And now that you said you wanted to get back into ministry, I know exactly why. I'm going to send you a check for your salary for the year to help you get back into ministry. That was the start And now I am the senior pastor of Valley Friends Church with two other of my best friends. And the three of us are pastoring together. It is crazy. It is absolutely amazing. And it was just a reminder to me. And it was kind of just what I needed to remember that God has a plan for our lives. He wants the best for us. And it's part of living in that abundant life is answering the call 
when it comes time. And I'm, I'm just excited that we serve a God that loves us that much. I hope that helps. I love you guys. What Ryan didn't tell you, and again, he can't fire me, so I'm going to tell you this. He uh, had a really negative experience a few years prior to that in ministry, and so he decided to leave the ministry for a while, still sought the Lord, he still studied um, the Word, and that's really what he does. He decided to start a business, like he said, and he is a woodworker, he's a blacksmith, he's like a stained glass artist, it's actually really annoying, because he's super good at everything. And I watched the success of his business as he as he worked on his own. And, and he, in fact, one time he decided, I think I'm going to make a few woodworking videos. And in five minutes, he had like 26,000 subscribers. It was so dumb for those of us who have to like work to make something of ourselves. You know, it was ridiculous. But he had like this, a little bit of a hesitation giving up that freedom that, that comes with working for yourself and making your own hours and not being a part of, you know, a, a church staff. And there's a lot that comes with that when you have a negative experience. And it's hard to go back into something that, even if God calls you to it, that caused you a lot of heartache to begin with. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. But, um, and it was all because he felt the Lord's kind of nudging him, that Holy Spirit, to go be a pastor. And that's what God had called him to do. And because he did that, he and David and Joe and the other Ryan from the other church, it was all because they decided, they realized that they were not ordinary people from an ordinary town in an ordinary time in history, but that God had given them giftings and resources to use for that very moment in that community. Yes? So what does that mean for us today? What, how do we do this? We have to remember that the moving of the Holy Spirit and that nudging, that call, is probably not going to make sense. It's not going to be easy, and it is not going to be comfortable. I can tell you it's not comfortable. But when we take our time and our resources and our finances and whatever, and our spiritual gifts, whatever God has given us, when we give it back to him, he knows exactly what to do with it at exactly the right time. Even if it means waiting a little bit, you may hear or feel that call before, you know, it's time. But he's preparing you, he's preparing us at all times for what he has next to grow the kingdom of God. So this passage in Acts doesn't celebrate community or church for its own sake. The community of faith exists as an extension of the Lord's commitment to bring salvation to the world. So this is the reason God has given us spiritual gifts. How many of you took the spiritual gifts test that Dave was talking about before? Woo! You guys are awesome. That's great. Okay, if you haven't, just go ahead and you can Google spiritual gifts test and take the first free one. And if you just bring the results, if you print the results, um, we, Dave and I would love to um, take you out to coffee or have you over for dessert to our house or whatever. Just if you want to talk about how you can get involved or how God can use your gifts and your resources for the kingdom. So will you take out your bulletin? There's a couple of questions on there that I just want to go over really quick. Number one, what gifts do you have that you can give back to God? Go ahead and write that in. If you know what some of your gifts are, what can you give back to God? 
either spiritual or if you have finances, that's it. Awesome. If you, if you have financial gifts to give, man, that is why we give. You saw the video from Candy. You saw the video from Ryan. If you have ever questioned tithing, that is where it goes. It goes to build the community of God both here and on the mission field away. So number two, what is one way you can give of yourself using your spiritual gift? If you don't know the answer to this question, come and see Carlos, come and see me. You can come and see Matt Dietz, David when he's back. We will help you get plugged in. We will connect you to the right people in the right places. What is one way you can give of your spiritual gift? This, honestly, it may require us to get out of our usual routine, shake it up a bit, tell God you're willing to do it. But he, I I honestly believe I've been praying for you about this message for a couple weeks now. And I truly believe that God has been giving some of you that little nudge of his spirit to, it's time. It's time to use what he's given you. It's time to use your gifts. I, I, this makes me super emotional. So bear with me for a second. (laughs) I don't believe that Canyon Hills is an ordinary church with ordinary people really ridiculous that I'm crying right now. At an ordinary time in history, I believe that God has called us here in this place for your Belinda in a town, in a community, for just the right time to use these gifts, for just the right thing, for you to use your resources to bless the kingdom of God. I'm going to call the band out. We're going to sing one last song. And before we sing, will you just bow your heads with me and pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you for Canyon Hills. I thank you for Pastor Larry and Shirley and all that they have done to bring this church to where it is and how they answered the call 29 years ago to use what they had and their gifts for the kingdom of God to grow it. Father, we don't believe that we are ordinary. We don't believe that we're here on accident. We believe that we're here because of you. And so now as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I just want to give you a chance. If you are hearing about this Jesus and you don't know him personally and you want to know more and you want to follow him, will you just put your hand up? And if you are in this place and you have gifts and you have kind of felt that Holy Spirit telling you it's time, And you want to use your gifts and you're not quite sure how. And you want to just give them to the Lord to use for his purpose. Will you put your hand up so we can pray for you right now? Awesome. Anyone else? Great. As we sing this song, Lord, I pray that you will speak to us and move in our hearts. And that you will just come and be among us, inhabit our praises. Father, we lift you up and we praise you for who you are and what you are.